Well, hello, everybody, to the latest episode of the A Few of My Favorite Things podcast. We definitely had a lot of episodes this season, a lot of good episodes. And for this episode this week, we're going to go back to a favorite topic of last season, which was sports. Obviously, with last season, we had Nate Barker come on the show. And when we had him on for the shoes episode for this season, we also talked about sports as well, along with Demarion Williams. It was a great conversation. But, you know, we just had to do just a solid sports episode and I was just thinking to myself who would be the best person to talk about sports with and you know with the person I'm bringing on the show for today Devin Fink he is something and really just someone that comes to mind just in the realm of sports especially baseball and you know I had the chance to meet him at the conference that I met Brody and Nathan people who came on the show last season at Yale New Hearth Free Spirit and Journalism Conference Really enjoyed that conference, really enjoyed meeting Devin for the first time, and I've just been mesmerized by his work and all that he's done since 2018 and even before 2018, as I've also discovered, just through research and just looking at his stuff as well. And I am so pleased to have him on the show for today, and I know you will enjoy him just as much as I have over the years. So, Devin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Garrett. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm great to, very honored to be on your podcast and excited to talk sports and baseball and uh, appreciate the kind words about my qualifications. Hopefully I'll uh, live up to those lofty expectations. I'm not too worried about that at all. And heck, this isn't even your first rodeo. You've definitely been on your fair share of podcasts, radio shows, things of that nature. So this should be like a cakewalk for you. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I certainly hope so. And uh, excited to just kind of talk about whatever whatever's on your mind sports-wise. Of course. And before we get into that sports-wise part of the conversation, I just want to Go into a little bit about yourself. I see the Dartmouth flag in the background. So how about you tell the folks a little bit about what you're doing right now in school? Yeah, no. So I am uh, currently a sophomore at uh, Dartmouth College um, in Hanover, New Hampshire, very small rural town, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it's it's kind of difficult to get to. Let's just let's just put it that way. Um, but uh, I'm currently double majoring in quantitative social science and government. Um, so my first major is more along the lines of like statistics and, uh, they let you choose, um, a social science to focus your statistics into. And so I'm going to do econ there and then kind of add a, a gov major kind of on the side. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of everything. Um, I'm trying to combine it in like to the, like the, uh, 538 major, I guess is one way to put it between the statistics, the government, the economics. And so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing up here and obviously involved in a lot of things, right. For the school newspaper and on the sports section and, uh, and involved in our sports analytics club. And, you know, I've just really enjoyed my, uh, my time here uh, at school, even considering the circumstances of COVID. Hey, that's just absolutely great to hear. And with that sports analytics club, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you took a, uh, a statistics course back in uh, high school, AP, got a five on all those exams. You're not even trying to flex, but you know, you uh, aced everything. So how would you say that's been for you? Has it been interesting? Is it like high school, completely different? Um, yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's been good so far. I've I've taken a couple interesting. I mean, I took the intro statistics class here, which was a lot more difficult than the uh, AP stats in high school because um, there was there was more calculus involved with kind of calculating some of the areas that you know you just kind of get the sheet and AP stat to do. And then um, in other classes for my major, like right now, I'm taking a data visualization class. So that's not really like hardcore statistics, but it's also like gaining these tools that you're going to need to do if you want to go into statistics or data science. You need to be able to express the data, show the data, communicate the data in some sort of way and, and show your findings. So that's been a great class. And then, um, you know, they've got a lot of other exciting offerings like game theory and upper level statistics. They even have a class in sports analytics that you can take as part of the major. So uh, there's just like a whole new world of just very small parts of statistics that I think you kind of touch on a little bit in AP stat, but obviously like it branches out and you get a lot more of the, uh, of the picture once, once you go to college. And that's kind of why you go to college just to specialize a little bit more in something that you enjoy doing. So I feel like I've gotten that experience so far and I'm going to only continue to get it over my uh, next few years. Hey, that's great to hear. So I can definitely tell that you've enjoyed and stayed busy during your time at Dartmouth. And 
just before the start of this quarter, y'all are in the quarter system as you just told me before the interview started, I know you had a kind of a special thing going on for yourself. So care to tell the audience about that? Yeah. Um, so one of the you know unique parts about Dartmouth is uh, we actually go to school in the summer following our sophomore year for those 10 weeks. So it's the same length as all the other quarters. Um, but the idea is that it's really a good chance to bond with your class. And because the school year is mostly, you know, during the winter, um, or at least in the New Hampshire winter, because of how early it starts and how late it goes. I mean, it snowed here on Friday. Um, so uh, they want to give you an opportunity to experience the outdoors and everything um, it, during, you know, nice weather. And so because you're there in a summer quarter, you take off one of your other quarters to kind of replace it during your sophomore or junior year. And so um, last quarter I, I took off and I interned at Creative Artist Agency, um, which is a big talent agency. They represent movie stars, uh, they represent musicians and obviously athletes. And I uh, worked in their di baseball division doing statistical analysis for their baseball agents to help them with the off season and contract negotiations. You know, that sounds extremely interesting. and. Uh... Really, with, uh, with the statistical part of it, you know, with helping those agents and things of that nature, what was the most interesting and engaging part of that experience? Um, I mean, I, I without, you know, getting too deep into the details, <laughs> but um, it was just like the freedom, I think, that they gave me to explore whatever I really wanted. Um, obviously, related to the players that they have, but they really just allowed me to, to kind of do what I had been doing more in the public sphere, but just like for them and get access to more information and insights. Um, because, you know, we can, you know, we work with the players, so we have the players insights at, at the time, you know, whenever we want, basically. And so I think it's just a really unique experience being part of that. And um, I, I really just enjoyed the uh, the freedom, the ability to be just very creative and kind of pay, make my own, pave my own way, so to speak, there. Yeah. And something I'm curious about is, as it relates to baseball, this definitely isn't the beginning of what you've done. Obviously, you have your website that you started years ago, Cover Those Bases, as well with your writing for fan graphs over the last few years. How has, in your mind, how has those things kind of culminated to where you were really in the last couple weeks ago? Or would you say, how has that internship that you had at the beginning of this year kind of been the thing that's kind of help put what you've done in the past in perspective and really helped you become a better journalist, a better statistician, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing for sure is like, um, when you're writing about baseball, you know, whether it's or any sport or really anything, right? Like you're kind of an observer, right? Like when I do, um, statistical analysis articles, I observe kind of what has happened, I can, you know, make inferences on like, oh, the player's doing this different or the player's doing that different. But, you know, I don't really I can't just go ask, you know, a certain player like why the data looks like this or why he's throwing this pitch more often. And so I think it's it's the same, but it's different because you're on the inside rather than being an observer. You are working with data, but you also can get those sort of insights Um from the players themselves and uh, on the agent side. And then when you're on the team side, you can get them from the players themselves. But you can also get them from, you know, the other internal front office tools that uh, that they'd have. So I think just having had the experience doing it from the outside and being more of an observer really helped me, you know, go on more on the inside and actually see what it looks like behind the scenes. And there were a lot of places where I was just like, oh, like, that's very interesting. I would have probably never considered that if I was going to write an article about player X. Um, so I thought that was just like a really unique way of, of, you know, where I took my skills and then was able to apply them kind of in a more meaningful way than just kind of writing about it from the outside. You know, something I'm curious about as well is with this experience, has it made you want to shift your focus in the way you approach baseball? Or do you want to think, hey, I want to go back and be able to talk on Twitter without having to do something like an NDA or something? What has it been like for you in that regard? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like, it was easier to not be on Twitter. But then when I got back on Twitter, like, I realized how much I missed it. Like, in the moment, I I think when I was doing the internship, it was more like, you know, totally makes sense to give up Twitter for this. And then when I got back, I'm like, wow, I love interacting with readers. Um, but I, I guess, like, 
you know, my, my career goal, I think, is to work in baseball in some capacity. Um, as much as I love writing and, and doing analysis, there's nothing more exciting than being able to impact the game like firsthand and in a meaningful way. And I think that's that's I think been my career goal for a long time. And um, the writing I just look at as a way to, you know, show my work, communicate my skills because communication is so important and just kind of leverage that into a potential position inside the game one day. Um, whether that works out that way, I don't know. But having had the experience where I worked for an agency for like four months and, you know, literally did impact the game, at least in a small way, um, I felt like it it was proof that it, it it is transferable. And that was really exciting. And I think it really just excites me even more about, about the future possibilities. And hey, uh, that's really cool. Cool. And no matter what you decide to do or what path uh, baseball leads you into, I know that you will be very successful in whatever you do. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That mean, that means a lot. Of course. And you know, going back on the topic of Twitter, you're not just some guy ranting on Twitter. What I've noticed is you have close over twenty thousand subscribers, and that might not seem like a lot compared to some of the big guys, but you have more followers than many professional journalists. And of course you are a professional journalist. I'm not trying to insinuate otherwise, but you're also no, in college. So yeah, it's not my job. No, it's, <laughs> it's not my job. I'm not a professional journalist. I, uh, it's a, it's a side thing for me. So that's, that's totally fine. Yeah. But what I mean is, especially considering so many factors such as your age, as well as the fact that you're in college, how did you end up with 20,000 followers on Twitter? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, it's it's a combination of a lot of things. Number one, I'm just addicted to the app. I mean, you know, I, I, my parents say all the time, you know, you got to get off Twitter. Like, you got to get off Twitter. You're always on Twitter. You're always tweeting. You're always reading tweets. And obviously, just interacting with people on Twitter, being active, helps grow your followers. Um, and and then I think from there, it's it's not it's it it kind of compounds, right? Once you get a few followers, it's easier to get more followers um, because. You know, people retweet your tweets, people like your tweets. And um, I think when it kind of starts compounding and start and like you see some growth, you start to just see even more growth on top of that growth because of just like the way in which tweets can spread. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And I and that's definitely part of it. But also I've had Twitter for like nine years. <laughs> so like I, I first logged on like in like 2012. And um, I think that's a big part of it. And for a while, like follower growth was very limited. Um, but, you know, over time, it just gets easier to, to continue to grow. And so um, obviously, I really appreciate all 20,000 people who follow me. And, and I do my best to interact with whoever tweets at me. And uh, I think that's a big part of it, too, is like just kind of being a man to talk to anyone, you know? Yeah, and that is something that is also just very admirable as well. And, you know, something that I want to ask you about is what would you say as it relates to just as, you know, as a person who writes about baseball, talks about baseball, what was that moment that you feel like um, kind of was the thing that kind of put you on the map? Now, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to hear it from you. Where do you think, when do you think that happened? Yeah, so I, I kind of make the joke that I peaked at 13 um, <laughs> because I think that's kind of what happened. Um, but so, yeah, so when I so my career like goal has shifted a little bit, like long story short, like originally I really did think I wanted to be a baseball reporter. Like I wanted to be Ken Rosenthal. And so part of being a baseball reporter is like getting sources and like breaking sports news. And and so at the beginning, I was like, you know, I can do this. Like, I, I, why not? Um, and so I basically, when I was very young, like even younger than I probably should have been, I started just kind of reaching out to different people on, um, on Twitter who, uh, were working inside the game. A lot of them are inside the game that were, that were on Twitter and, um, started emailing, you know, team executives and stuff. And I actually got a surprisingly high response rate building out my network as a 13 year old or a 12 year old or whatever it was. And I think a lot of them were just like, Oh, look, there's this 12 year old blogger. Like I'll t just talk to him and kind of give him some advice or whatever. Um, Cause by that point I had been running the site for a while and like clearly was consistently posting. And so for whatever reason, like I got pretty close with a couple of people who worked inside the game and and so one day, you know, I just got a tip from one of these people that was like, hey, 
Billy Butler's close to signing with the Athletics. And so I was just like, all right, like, this has not been reported. This is, like, breaking news. Like, Billy Butler at the time was, like, still good. And um, so I was just like, all right, like, what do do I do with this? And so I tweeted it out. You know, I asked him, you know, is it fine to report? Like, is this on record? And he was like, yeah, it is. You can report it. Just obviously don't let it get back to me. And so I was like, all right, fine. So I tweeted it out. And I was like, you know, I've been told sources say that Billy Butler's close to signing with the Oakland Athletics. And so for a day, it was like radio silence. So it was like the tweet got a few few retweets or whatever. I didn't. I think I had like a thousand followers, and so like nothing happened. And I was just like, this is this is lame. Like, is it, I I must have just been like fed fake info to just see if I was like gullible and would tweet it out. People responded to me. It's like, oh, is this real and whatever. But I like genuinely believed. Like I knew this person would know this information, and like he was close, and I just couldn't really like fathom why that he would just like do me like this so what i did is i i tweeted at ken rosendahl himself i said hey can i get your email address there's a question i'd like to ask you and he's like i'm not going to give you my email address but i will follow you back temporarily for you know so you can dm me and i'm like all right that's pretty cool so i so he follows me back and i and i say like hi ken like you know i tweeted this out yesterday and it's been it hasn't really been picked up by anything like what 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 can i what can you do or like basically just kind of just get told him my situation he's like all right so like i can check with a few people and um you know i'll i'll see if it's true and it was still early in the off season i don't think he was that busy and so he was like you know i'll i'll do that and if i it's true i'll give you credit and cite you is that is that sound good to you? And I said, yes, it sounds good to me. And I said, also, like, if it does come true, I want to, if it is true, I want to tell you like one other thing. And he's like, sure, like, that's fine. I will, I will follow, you know, let you tell me whatever you want to tell me. And so then he unfollows me. And then a couple hours later, he sends his tweet. I, my handle was still at cover those bases. It was at cover those bases. Unreal. Congrats. Next tweet was sources. Billy Butler close to signing with the Oakland Athletics first reported by at cover those bases. Ken follows me back and says, you know, what did you want to say? And I was like, I didn't want to say this at the time because I didn't think you would believe me, but I'm 13 and I, and I'm 13 years old. I'm a huge fan. I love your work. I've been blogging for two years for my own blog. Like I just wanted, I didn't want to tell you this because I really wanted you to like believe that I wasn't just like lying to you. And he was like, well, you know, there you go. And, um, you know, I, uh, another reporter who was also very young, uh, who I worked with for a while, Robert Murray, he reported the details of the signing and the two of us got on MLB network for an interview. And, um, it was, it was my peak when I was 13. Uh, and that, and that's what kind of got me on, on the map, I would say. Of course. And if I'm not mistaken, it also led to other things such as appearing on NPR with Scott Simon, a host of other interviews. So, you know, I don't think you quite peaked at uh, 13, but I think you uh, hit a proverbial puberty of sorts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, I, in a lot of ways, it was it was luck. Uh, but, you know, it was the craziest week of my life. That's absolutely for sure. Just everything was blowing up. I was just like, wow, this is so cool. How did people, I guess, within your immediate circle, friends, family react when they found out about that? It kind of blew up at school. Like I was, you know, like my I, I was at Luther Jackson Middle School and like they did this like side by side comparison of like me, Robert Murray and like Ken Rosenthal. And one of the lines was like education. And so like Ken Rosenthal, like University of Pennsylvania alum, you know, Devin Fink, Luther Jackson Middle School. Um, so the school like saw that and like put me on like the morning announcements and all this sort of stuff. Um, and uh, it's funny because I did the interview for MLB Network at 11 a.m. on like a Thursday. So, you know, where would I be at 11 a.m. on a Thursday at school? So my mom literally picked me up from school and I did the phone interview to MLB Network from the parking lot outside Luther Jackson Middle School. Wow. Um, so, you know. And and so like everyone was, you know, fan friends, family, it was kinda everyone was just kinda like freaking out and really supportive, obviously. Like they just thought it was the coolest thing and it just kinda made it rounds among my friends and among my family, obviously. I would say even though um something of that along those lines doesn't happen often, I feel like in many ways that's something that's quite impressive and it's still something that's just quite awesome to see and even when I was just, you know, doing research and things of that nature on you, it was just like, wow, this is like really impressive. And wow, you Thank like you. never mentioned this when we like first met. So, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I I talked a lot about it then, but, you know, I, I think a little bit it's kind of embarrassing at this point. Like, my voice is, like, four octaves higher, and also, like, I was this 13-year-old kid, like, you know, part of it, too, is, like, Matt Vaskersian, you know, on, on the show said, like, oh, I bet this kid had a, you know, connection with his fan, like, through his family or something. So the first thing 13-year-old me does when he gets on MLB Network is corrects the record. And I said, no, I did this myself. It wasn't a familial connection. Like, how can I talk about that? Like, it's like, right. you know, I was 13. Like, I didn't really, like, know what I was saying or doing or, like, you know, politeness or anything like that. I was just kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. But, like, when I, when I do occasionally show people that now i just it's just like so funny to think that like i said that and like my voice was that high and things like that so you know yeah it, it kind of is what it is at this point right it's just there it's just on youtube it's just there and so you know it's just funny and something to laugh at a little bit hello everybody I hope you have enjoyed the show thus far. In the bio, you will notice that I have posted two links. One is a link to my local guide profile. I am a freelance reviewer for Google Maps. So far, my 70 plus reviews and my over 550 photos have been seen by well over 4.5 million people. I even have several followers now. I have done reviews on sporting venues, restaurants, theme parks, airports, and more across several states. The other is a link to a blog I have started last year. The blog is entitled Going Places, Eating Things, and it is something I definitely look forward to developing even more. Be sure to subscribe to email notifications on the website to know when I make my latest post. It is goingplaceseatingthings.blog. Again, type in goingplaceseatingthings.blog, no caps, no spaces, into your web browser, and you will be taken to my blog. Now it's time that we go ahead and talk with Devin again. Looking forward to it. Where do you see yourself in a position of, you know, you're on working with the newspaper at Dartmouth. You're still working at Fangraphs as well. Where do you see what everything that's kind of happened, whether it be with that thing with, you know, breaking the Billy Butler story or with your last internship, how do you think that's culminated into the writer and just professional, even though you don't like using that word, professional you are now? Um, I mean, I think all of it is has been great experience. Um, I, I first started writing for my school newspaper when I was in like seventh grade in middle school. Um, and I wrote sports columns. And, um, you know, I, the school newspaper for me has always been like a nice supplement um, to to like my sports writing, um, in middle school, I did only exclusively sports, I guess not really a supplement. And now I do exclusively Dartmouth sports. That wasn't really a supplement, but especially in high school, um, I took on other roles. I wrote about politics. I wrote about other things and I really gained an appreciation for like being able to communicate difficult topics succinctly. And, um, you know, in a way that a lot of people can understand, like, I don't even know how I got this through, but when I was in high school, I got us to publish an article as our like main front page story about gerrymandering. And I wrote this whole like, you know, explanation piece about gerrymandering where I interviewed like people in the state who were working to kind of, you know, get an independent commission to, you know, draw our lines and stuff like that. So I would say like each, everything I do like has a role in sort of, you know, my development to the sort of person that I've become and the person that I want to be. And a lot of the emphasis I put on throughout my life is being a good communicator. I think it's something I really enjoy. I really like public speaking. I really like writing. I love doing things like this, just, you know, kind of talking. Um, and so um, I think I really make you communicate you know, communications oriented person who can also like understand the math side of it. Like I'm not a math genius by any set sorts of the imagination. You know how some people can just like calculate things in their head, right? You can give them any, t like that's not the sort of person I am. I don't have the math mind in that sort of way, but I can understand it and then communicate it, which I think is a really important tool that I've been able to develop kind of through the writing and through my interests. Well, you got a five on your AP calculus exam, but anyway, um, I'll say this. That, that was because of <laughs> many hours of studying. I look, I, I preferred the, the humanities 
and the social studies exams way more than the math exams. Stat might be an exception, but that calculus exam was not easy. Was not easy. I, I, I'm going to have to just prove the, make the record straight on that one. That's true, and it's not easy to get a five on the calculus exam, but it's also not easy to get a five on every AP exam you take either. So, you know. That was a lot of studying. <laughs> of course. Now, I'll be honest with you. If you listen to my sports podcast, really, from last season, we talked about baseball for five minutes because, honest to goodness, I, I don't know anything about baseball. Uh, it's not that I don't like the sport. It's just that I just never got too into it. However, I've always appreciated people who have loved the game, gotten interacted, and really just played the game as well as people who just cover it well and you know yeah. that was a huge reason why i wanted to bring you on the show for today because obviously you were extremely passionate about baseball you are extremely passionate about writing about it talking with people about it looking at players doing an entire internship centered around it so i knew that you would be the perfect person for that and of course i might be exposed by what i don't know but i just want oh, to don't worry <laughs> you're good but i just want to see what do you think of the MLB season right now? What do you think of what's going on in just baseball in general? Uh, I mean, look, it's it's early in the season. So um, unlike a lot of other sports, like, you know, it's just like difficult because, you know, you just have situations where you can't really write about players like early in the season, right? If a guy's hitting 500, he's not going to hit 500 for the season. So you can't really draw a lot of conclusions uh, this suit into the year and even team-wide, right? Like, you know, I, I think, like, the Yankees have the worst record in the American League as of the recording of this podcast. Like, that's not going to be the case at the end of the season. And so a lot of, like, the first few weeks of baseball is just kind of, like, feeling it out, seeing who looks good, seeing who doesn't, and then kind of just going from there. And um, and I and I think that's kind of where I'll kind of in a just, like, let's enjoy the first month and then starting May, like, break it down and, and really and really see what's going on and um but even with that said I mean the Dodgers are like 11 and 2 and they might like legitimately you know set the wins record win 117 games this season so you know and they just won the World Series like yeah. we, we we know certain things right we know the Dodgers are gonna be good this year we know the Dodgers are gonna make the playoffs this year and they've played exceptionally well through 13 games but on the other hand it's 13 games so maybe they'll lose five of their next six who knows I guess it's I guess it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? It is, and and honestly, you know, when you say that, you know, you're not into baseball, and look, a lot of people I would say among our generation aren't into it, but I think one of the beauties of it is it's just something that's like with you every day, right? Yeah. Like I put on the game a game every single, and I'm crazy, right? <laughs> like I I watch like no matter really what team it is, I just watch whatever, but. You know, you it's a very regionalized sport. I know you're from Mississippi. You, I think you'd probably be a Braves guy if, if you were into it. And so, like, for you, you could just, in the background, every night, just have the Braves game on while you're doing homework or whatever. You don't have to be, like, hyper-focused on the game um, when you're, when you know, you're watching. It doesn't have to be something that's, like, you know, need to watch, like, football where you only have 16 opportunities to watch your team. Like, it's just... Nice background noise. It's nice, like, just to have something to follow every day. And that's the beauty of the marathon, really. For you, in many ways, baseball is also meditative as well. Yeah, I mean, like, when I, like, just sit down to do some homework at night, like, I'll, you know, put the game on and, and just kind of have it in the background. And, you know, if, if you have the announcers on, like, they will, like, you know, change their voice inflections if something exciting is happening, and then you look over, right? But, you know, you don't need to watch every pitch. You don't need to really watch every at-bat. And that's, I think, the beauty of the sport, and it's also the part of the sport that gets criticized the most. Like, it's too slow. But, like... That's kind of the point, right? Every game is very unimportant, but like every series and every week and every month, you start putting games together and it becomes a lot more important. And and I, and I love the beauty of that. And I love the beauty of like, you know, if you root for a team and the team loses, they have a game the next day and they win and, and you forget that they lost last night. It's like awesome. You know, you, you know and you're a football fan, you got to just dwell on that for a whole week. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's uh, very true indeed. And, you know, I know you were just mentioning just the MLB team. You assumed that I was a Braves fan. but um, in- I, It was a guess. I don't know. <laughs> if, you had, if you had to pick a team, 
where would your fandom lie? Uh, something I've historically, I guess, aligned myself with was it, it makes no geographic sense, but I'd probably say the Yankees. And oh God, I really can't tell you many other players besides Derek Jeter and Babe Ruth. I know that's horrible, but what I want to ask oh, you, <laughs> sure. What I want to ask you is, who is your team? So I mean, it's <laughs> I'm a Phillies fan. So I mean, like I grew up a Phillies fan. And uh, my mom's side of the family is all from Philadelphia. And, you know, baseball, I feel like, is a lot is something that, like, a lot of people get from their grandfathers. And so he and I bonded over the Phillies when I was really little. Um, they won the World Series when I was seven. So that was obviously a very, like, impactful moment, you know, getting to run around the house screaming that the Phillies just won the World Series. Um, and so that team was, you know, the best. And I got really into it from there. And so, you know, the Phillies always have a spot, soft spot. I try and I try and be objective on Twitter and I try and be objective in my writing and um, make sure that I don't really tweet more about the Phillies, even though I might be watching their games more um, than than their proportional like then proportion or whatever. But um, but yeah, I mean, they still have a soft spot in my heart, but they have not made the playoffs since I was 10. So it's kind of been a tough, tough go at it the last few years, the last many last decade. Really, I'm 20 <laughs> now. It's just insane. And it's been a, it's been a decade, so <laughs> that's, so yeah, it's certainly one way to put it. <laughs> but you know, um, I, I wanted to get to this, and I know you mentioned your your grandfather, and when I was listening to your your interview with Scott Simon, I noticed you mentioned your grandfather, and a big inspiration for why you really kept up cover those bases was you said that it was a way for you to really communicate with your grandfather who unfortunately passed. And I really found that just really yeah. inspirational and really beautiful. Yeah. He, he had a really big impact on my life from when I was like very little. Um, and you know, baseball was his thing. You know, he would tell me stories of when he would sneak into games. Um, I mean, you can't do that anymore, but he would sneak in, he would sneak into games and he would also listen um, to the Phillies, like on his transistor radio in his back pocket and um, just all these sort of things. And so, you know, it it just so happened that it kind of aligned that when I was first getting into sports and very little that the Phillies were like the baseball's juggernaut. And so it made sense. And then, you know, for a few years, you know, he and my grandmother would take me and my brother up uh, to their house in Philly for a weekend. And we'd always go to a Phillies game. So we went to a game a year in, in Philly with him. Um, and my grandma, um, who's since restarted that tradition now that we're older and can, you know, does, she doesn't need both her and, and my grandfather to, to make to watch me and my brother. Um, and and yeah, no, I mean, he had a huge impact on my life. And I remember like in 2009, 2010, 2011, if the Phillies would do something like, you know, if, if someone hit a grand slam, I would just pick up the phone and call him and I would talk to him about it. Wow. And and so that sort of stuff. And so. Um, I would say that a lot of, you know, my entire baseball fandom is because of him. So, I mean, I think all of my writing and everything I've done has spurred out of my fandom. And so I think that's definitely just like a he's had a big role in my life ever since he passed when I was in like fifth grade. Uh, wow. And, you know, when I heard that for the first time on the NPR and the second time, it was still just as impactful. And honestly, man, that's that's really beautiful. Uh, um that that really is something that is very inspirational. It really is. I I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of happened that way. I mean, it wasn't like one day I woke up and was like going to start a blog to to honor him. It was more like I want to keep talking about baseball. I don't the outlet that I had I unfortunately don't have anymore. Um, and so I'm just gonna, you know, start writing about it. And, um, it's kind of ended up just naturally happening that way. That is uh, definitely inspirational. And, you know, I guess, I guess with life in general, um, the way things happen, I guess it, nothing is intentionally by design. It just kind of works out that way. I mean, for instance, with this podcast, this started off as a school assignment that the podcast episodes were only supposed to be like two to three minutes long. The first episode was over 20 minutes long. But anyway, I had a lot of fun with that and it just kind of grew from there. And something that I've always enjoyed was just just talking with people. That's why the episodes were too darn tootin' long. Right. No, I'm with you. I've always just enjoyed just dialogue with people and getting to hear their stories, their viewpoints, their perspectives. And just what you said right there and what you've really talked about through the entire episode, 
that's why I do this. That's beautiful. That's really insightful. And I, I just love having conversations like this. And, you know, obviously I, I have 15, 16 subscribers on YouTube, even less on the podcast platforms, but that's not really the point. I enjoy the conversations. They need to happen. And it's really right. beautiful to just see where they go each and every time. And honestly, this isn't the end of the conversation, but I also just want to put this in perspective. Obviously, with talking about your grandfather, that obviously brings up emotion and that can bring up some things that can cause people to tear up. Um, but I really do appreciate you opening up with that. That's that's really beautiful and that's really adds to this conversation more than I think you can possibly know. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, of, of course. I mean... I I think you know in some ways like it's it's been a while right like it, it was nine years ago now and so you know every day like you know you, it's like you think about it it's kind of there subconsciously that like oh I'm watching the Phillies and you know some days you think more specifically like oh you know man like I would love to go to another game with him or man I would have loved for him to see my blog and all of this sort of stuff but I think for a, for a lot of it it is just kind of built into the subconscious at this point which makes it kind of easier to talk about um you know it's just part it's just part of who I am and I uh and I really like that uh, you know and I really like that aspect of it I do too If you live close to Greenville, Mississippi, the podcast is even on the radio. Tune in to WDSV 91.9 every Saturday at 3 p.m. on the radio to listen to the show. You can also listen online at WDSV919.org. Again, that is WDSV919.org. No caps. Back to the conversation. Are you also just, I guess, an undercover football fan? Do you have a, a second sport that you just absolutely love? Don't care about any sports? Are you just kind of a mixture of everything? You know everything about sports, essentially. Where would you put yourself at? So, yeah, I mean, I I, I um, am very uh, – my calendar is the sports calendar. I mean, <laughs> I, I grew up in a very, very sports-centric household. Uh, my dad's a big football guy. He lived – I was actually born in San Francisco, so I get Philly from my mom's side. I've got a lot of California on my dad's side. And he lived in San Francisco when Montana, Rice, and Young won all the Super Bowls. <laughs> so, of course, he is a diehard 49ers fan, and he wanted to make sure that his kids – you know, and my brother is a Dolphins fan, and we have even no even idea why. But he wanted to make sure we were diehard Niners fans as well, and I am. So I'm I'm a weird mix. But to answer your question, like directly, like yes, I watch sports. I love sports. It is the best form of entertainment. It just makes you think about like you know humans are throwing a ball hundred miles an hour, or you know finding an open receiver 40 yards down the field and hitting them on a dime or, you know, skating, you know, across ice and, and, you know, stick handling and doing all these things. They're skating while they're doing all of that and, and you know, hitting half court shots. I mean, when you watch, you, you almost lose the sense that these are humans and it is mesmerizing in a lot of ways that how freakishly athletic our athletes are. And that's why it's just so entertaining because you think, wow, like, that's just a that's just another person who's doing this. This is just unbelievable. I mean, could you imagine trying to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball, let alone hit it 440 feet dead center <laughs> and then get to trot around the bases and do that like 40 times a year because some guys do like I, it's just um, so much fun. It just really is so much fun. This doesn't have to be baseball it can be really anything. What was would you say is that sports moment, whether it happened yesterday or 10 years ago that just made you say wow what no matter if it was an individual player a team what was that moment for you i mean you know i've i've been asked like a question similar to this a lot and it's it's weird because i try and i want to separate out the things that i've like seen in person versus the things i've like watched on tv because i feel like having been to a game and seeing something in person is just much different experience so one of the coolest things I've ever seen, like at a sporting event, like ever, um, just like on a regular regular season game, was I saw an Ovechkin hat trick. 
And so, you know, he's known for, you know, scoring a ton of goals. Um, and he has like 20 hat tricks in his career. And like, that's a lot. But that also means he's only done it like 20 times in his career where he's played like, you know, 15 seasons in the NHL. And not only did I see a Novechkin hat trick, I was at the only game in Caps history where Ovechkin had a hat trick and they lost because someone else on the other team also had a hat trick and they lost 7-6. Craziest hockey game I've ever seen. Dueling hat tricks. It was just unbelievable. Like I, I and I and though the Caps lost, like it was probably the coolest thing I've ever seen like just live and in person. Very interesting. And what would you say was the coolest thing you saw on television? I mean, I think the championships, right? I mean, the championships always make you go wow and and those are the ones that you're never going to forget those nights. Um, I, I was spoiled, obviously, as for the Phillies. Like, in 2008, I wasn't, I didn't even have a Philly shirt. Like, there's pictures of me the night the Phillies won the World Series. I'm just wearing a generic baseball shirt. Like, I really got into the Phillies in the 2009 season. So, you know, it wasn't like all of my family members who had been waiting decades for the championship. Like, it's, it was just so much sweeter for them than it was for me, who was just like, wow, they won. So I really also, going back to hockey, right, the Caps, when they won in 2019, when they won the Stanley Cup, because I had been a Caps fan for like six, seven, eight years and watched them like choke all of these playoff series away. That was one of the sweetest sports moments, one of the most sports moments where I'm like, wow, I can't believe they actually won because of just all the all the heartbreak and, and everything we've experienced. So that makes me just think like the next time the Phillies win the World Series, it's going to feel that much sweeter and it's going to feel that much like, you know, you're going to you're going to experience why you love being a sports fan that much more. Um, and so I, I think, you know, it's weird to have two hockey examples for a baseball guy, but, you know, I think they're very valid choices personally, like given given that most of my teams don't really win and <laughs> um and uh when they do win it's just you know awesome yeah i think it would be bad if you were a bandwagon fan that would be absolutely horrible so have to stay loyal <laughs> i've watched 10 seasons of losing phillies baseball but it'll make the next world series all the more sweet if i'm if i'm uh, still a fan but you know Maybe that'll happen and I'm working in baseball and I can't root for them. I have to root for the team that I'm working for. Who knows, right? <laughs> Who knows what the future is going to bring? Of course. And I guess I have uh, just two more questions. But the first question I want to ask is, obviously, with the course of this conversation and really just in the past, I would say that I've slowly started to become more, tried to become more acquainted with baseball. Granted, you cannot become an expert in a week. I tried. I, I failed miserably. But... What I will say is it is an interesting sport, but something that I've kind of had a roadblock on is just understanding the statistics. I like, I just, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. Yeah. And I guess the question I want to ask for you is what is the approach that you would suggest for someone trying to get into baseball, really any other sport, and they're trying to learn the lingo, trying to learn the players, things of that nature. What would you say is the best thing to do in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think, so it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting question because there's a lot of different ways you can take your fandom. You can be like a general fan, right? And just appreciate the home runs, RBIs, you know, runs scored, those sort of stats. You can also like want to really dive into like evaluating, okay, how good is this player actually, right? Like RBIs are very dependent on your team, right? Because you're only going to get, you're going to get more RBIs if you're the other hitters in your team's lineup are also good and are also getting on base. So you can be on a team that just absolutely sucks and you can be a really good hitter, but not, might not get a lot of RBIs. But from a fan's perspective, like the question is always like, do you want to be a fan that appreciates the true value of a player? Or do you just like counting instances of where he drove runners in who are on base? Because, you know, there's value in just tracking that and enjoying that, right? I'm not going to tell anyone how to be a fan. Um, but, you know, I think if you're just starting out, at least from a baseball perspective, like for hitters, there's what is called the triple slash line. It's their batting average, their on-base percentage, and their slugging percentage. And then that's just basically like three very basic stats. Batting average is like, you know, how many times they get a hit, how many times they're at bat. On base percentage is how many times they, you know, what percent of the time they get on base. So including walks and hit by pitches and then slugging percentage kind of measures power by looking at like 
total bases where singles worth one, doubles worth two, triples worth three, home runs worth four, and dividing it by the number of, of times they were at bat. So it's like if you hit a home run, that's kind of like, you know, more valuable. And so a really, a really, really good proxy for how good a hitter is, is to take their on base and add it to their slug and create what's called OPS, on base plus slugging. And that'll just be a one number that accounts for how often they get on base and how much power they have. And so that's a really good place to start for hitters. Um, and, and knowing that like, okay, if a hitter has like an 800 OPS, he's good. If he has like a 900 OPS, he's elite. And if he has a 1000 OPS, he's Mike Trout, basically, you know, best player baseball. Um, and then I think on the pitching side, right? Same thing wins. Like a lot of, a lot of people don't really like to use wins that much because again, it's very dependent on your team. It's actually totally dependent on your offense, right? Like you could throw one, you could allow one run in a game, right? You could lose and you could get a loss because your team didn't score any, like, how is that your fault? It's not. So I think, I mean, not completely. I mean, I, I understand there's the counter argument. They allowed one run, but you pitched a good game and you know, yeah. it is what it is, right? You, you, you didn't get the support. So for pitchers, I think a good place to start is ERA, right? It's just the amount of runs, earned runs, so non-error, right? If, if defense makes an error, those aren't counted. Um, it's the amount of earned runs they allow per nine innings. So better guys have lower ERAs. And then I think also, like, good stats to look at for pitchers individually are strikeouts um, and walks. And it seems very, very simple, like, okay, yeah, we should be looking at guys who get a lot of strikeouts and guys who don't walk a lot of guys. But those actually are two of the most important outcomes for any pitcher because they're completely independent of the defense behind them, right? You could allow a smoked ball to the outfield, but if it's caught by your outfielder, no one will ever know. But like that was completely dependent on your defense because maybe you had a different outfielder there or maybe the wind was affecting it and like it goes in for a double and you allow three runs. You don't know. So strikeouts and walks are completely independent of your defense. And so that's why those are really good ways to measure the the uh, the value and, and how good a pitcher actually is. So that's where I would start. That's very interesting. And, you know, um, I guess with two things in that regard, what I've noticed about baseball is with it's more, it's more complicated than, say, something like football because with baseball, you implement sometimes several pitchers into the game. You implement people to start and... And it's like there's people who are like specifically drafted for those purposes. And I just found that interesting because with football, it's just like you basically have one quarterback either goes off either A, it's a blowout. They don't want him to get injured or B, like he has a bad game. But it's more complicated with baseball. And then sometimes, though, you probably don't want to usually do this with baseball. The pitcher can sometimes bat, even though, again, that's not necessarily what you want. And also, you know, you see how players can also do offense and uh defense you know uh with the shortstop who just went to the Mets uh Francisco Francisco Lindor yeah he's like an amazing shortstop but he's also an amazing hitter as well and right. it's so interesting with baseball how you can see the offense and the defensive lines kind of intermingle and if it's a good combination that's a lethal player right no I, and the thing is, is there's a lot of ways to be good right like you can be an elite hitter and a really bad defender but that's still good, right? Yeah. If you're an elite hitter and a really bad defender, you can also just be like a good hitter and a good defender. And you might actually be better than that elite hitter and really bad defender. And so that's kind of when you start getting into those more value metrics like war, you know, that that accounts accounts for those things. But that's when it starts getting more complicated yeah. as far as the uh, as far as the statistics go. Yeah. And I like how you also mentioned to just keep it simple because going back to football, something that's also just a really controversial statistic is QBR because there's so many different variables that can go into that. And Indian ESPN doesn't even make their, their statistic like public. Like we don't even know how it's calculated. Yeah. Like, you know, Skip Bayless quotes it all the time, but you need to understand there's so many things that can go into it. Just because you had a high QBR doesn't mean you had a, a good game or a low QBR doesn't mean you had a horrible game. It's it's complicated. And like you said, there's no way you can quite verify how the statistic is counted because there's so many, you know, unclear factors that go into that. And, and that's one of the benefits about baseball. A lot of it is open source and public calculations for war are published. Um, a lot of the most of the data, honestly, is is all public and available for anyone to use. And so that's one of the huge benefits to doing analysis in baseball specifically. Yeah. 
Would you say that's that's something that also appealed to you, not only just with your own analysis with baseball, but also why you went into that internship with CAA, the uh, the numbers game, essentially? Yeah, no, I love I love looking at the numbers, um, and I love doing the analysis. And there's so much data with baseball um, that's public, and and you know we're I'm very grateful that MLB makes a lot of it public. And yeah, I mean I think the numbers game, and I and I kind of want to just like analyze a lot of that but also recognize that these are these are humans who are playing the game and and it can't all be just done on numbers and you got to have to strike a balance of course that that makes complete sense and you know as we approach the end of the interview something i'd like to always ask everyone i bring on the show is what do you want to focus on it can be something we've already talked about it can be something completely different than baseball or sports in general is there anything that you feel like needs to be talked about or anything that comes to mind for you uh, you know what I mean? In terms of like something we haven't discussed and, and I'd want to add. Right. Because oftentimes uh, I know the name of the podcast is a few of my favorite things, but I also value different perspectives. Um, obviously know that you're just more than a baseball writer. You do a whole bunch of different things. And I also want to yeah. give this opportunity right now to just give you a platform to talk about something. It could be related to baseball, but it can also be related to something completely different. So I just wanted to give you that opportunity now. Yeah, no, I look, I um, first like really enjoyed coming on. Like I always love, you know, reconnecting with people who I met at, at certain conferences and, and I hope things are going well with you. And um, I don't know if you are still interested in going into the journalism path, but um, you know, it's really admirable career and just wanted to note that. And also just note that like, I'm just kind of excited for, for this pandemic to end. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things, honestly, is, uh, is you know, getting back to some social interaction in real person and, and all that sort of stuff. And it feels close to the end. I mean, it's obviously not over. We are seeing spikes. And, yeah. you know, I, I obsessively track that, unfortunately, because I just am always curious, like, what, what the situation is here. And, you know, I think... That's what that's going to be one of my favorite things is when this is finally this nightmare of a year is finally over and we can get back to, you know, doing real things in person again. And um, and yeah, I think I think that's kind of just what's on been on my mind right now, uh, what I wanted to add. And I'm just, you know, excited to no longer have to do everything on Zoom when Zoom <laughs> becomes a tool and not your life. That will be one of my favorite things. I second that. Ladies and gentlemen, Devin Fink. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just gracing us with your presence. It is much appreciated. It really is. Of course. And thank you so much for having me. I love doing stuff like this. Love reconnecting with people and, um, you know, just hope all is going well. And, you know, anytime you want to talk baseball, if you if you get into the Yankees a lot this season and, and want to ask questions or have me back on and, and I can give you some hard-hitting analysis, would love to do so. Thank you so much for tuning in to the latest episode of the show. Links to Devin Fink's content are also included in the podcast description. If you like sports or baseball half as much as he does, look at what he does. It's astounding. It's incredible. It's impressive. Also, a special shout out is needed for Diamond Style for the amazing music, as always. If you liked what you listened to, I hope you would consider subscribing and even jumping over to YouTube to see our conversation in video format. It's over Zoom for obvious reasons. But by doing so, I think it will only serve to enhance the experience of the podcast. We have had a lot of great shows and guests this season and have even more on the way. Let me know if you watched the entire thing in the comments and please let me know what you thought of the episode. Be honest, seriously. Until next time and beyond, continue to stay prosperous. Mm-hmm.